Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionize your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. Hello and welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast Series. It's actually just myself today. I've been doing a, a lot of interviews over this year, but I wanted to focus particularly on this podcast episode into the area of survival psychology. And that may sound like a, a term that you're not hugely familiar with, but throughout this podcast episode, I'm going to dig into this topic and we're going to look at how it can hijack you and cause you problems with your thinking as a leader or a business, senior business person. So how to be aware of it um, and how to be able to manage it better so that it doesn't hijack you. Now, so I, I became fascinated with survival psychology in that I've, I've always looked at the aspect of leadership thinking, leadership psychology. But the more I've gone into it, the more I realise one of the biggest challenges that we face as a leader is battling with thinking that leads us ultimately to be a place to a place where we don't feel good enough. We lose our confidence and our self-esteem can suffer. And the root of this really is around survival thinking. Now, we have a driving need to feel secure. If we go back to the days of the Sahara Desert, it would be when we were uh, concerned that the, the origins of our species were concerned with saber-toothed tigers attacking us. But in modern life, we still have a high level of anxiety and fear about things that could go wrong or threats to us. We're continually monitoring our environment for threats. And as I say, in, in times gone by for the you know, previous uh, parts of our species, it would have been about physical threats. And yes, that still may be the case for us in modern life as well. But in modern life, it can also be threats to our ego and threats to our self-esteem. Now, the thing is, if we're monitoring for threats all the time, then we are potentially imagining potential threats. We're over exaggerating threats. We're distorting. And a great deal of this is going unconsciously as well. So then the problem is that we turn this inwards. So we start to then look at threats within us or flaws within us. So we start to look at where there are gaps in our abilities, where we're lacking, where there are weaknesses, where we're fallible. And so I believe that this drives us to a place where for the majority, majority of us, we go through uh, situations and periods of time where we don't feel good enough. And that can be obviously in a role as a leader, but it can also be in various aspects of life. It can lead us also, I believe, to be more pessimistic in nature because again, because of this need to continually uh, track uh, um, our environment and look for threats. We are then by and by its nature, really, being driven to a more pessimistic way of thinking because we're looking for potential danger and p potential problems. And I think it leads us in many of us as human beings to become overly pessimistic. So in this podcast episode, I'm going to be looking at five areas in particular, I think, are manifestations of this survival thinking, the survival psychology that can cause us problems. I'm going to start off by looking at a term that's become very, very popularised over the last couple of years in particular, actually, which is imposter syndrome. And for me, that is that that problem that we have when we 
fear will be found out because the position we are in, we don't have the right skills and abilities for it. We're going to look at defensive mindset, how we can be driven into a more defensive state of mind, particularly when we're given feedback that is not necessarily positive or we make mistakes or hit challenges. We're going to look thirdly at negative self-talk. We are thinking continuously and talking to ourselves. Often those conversations aren't very productive. The fourth area we're going to look at is the damage that can be done by ego, the damage that can be done by our own ego to ourselves and others, but also the damage that other ego, people's egos can cause as well. And then finally, in the fifth area, I'm going to be looking at tribal behavior, our fear of isolation and need to connect, but also the way that tribal behavior can go wrong uh, when we're leaders and also we can, how we can use it to our advantage. So you may be experiencing a number of challenges as a leader. It could be mounting stress and overwhelm. It could be problems with remote working. It could be problems with your people and getting the best out of your people. It could be difficulties making decisions, worrying or anxiety about the future, not getting the right results as a leader. And I say, I think actually what we need to start doing is looking more under the hood at what is really going on with our thinking, because only through being clearer and more aware of what's going on with our thinking, do we start to create more personal power, more power as an individual to actually do something about it. And throughout this podcast episode, I'm going to give you some thoughts and ideas on strategies, simple strategies that can help you with all five of those areas. We're also going to look at some examples uh, from my conversations and discussions with business people over, over most of this year. I've been out talking about survival psychology at events online and physical events, but I've also been having calls with people in business who've been kind enough to share some of their experiences confidentially about what's been going on with them out there in the world of business leadership or as business owners. And you may well relate to those. And, and actually, if you are interested in, in having a call or you'd be prepared to have a call, I'd love to keep talking to people about this because this is very much a journey for me. I'm, I'm looking to explore this concept more and more research it to get a better understanding so I can help people more. And being able to help people more really is about having a better practical understanding of how this is showing up in everyday life as a business leader. So if you're prepared to have a call, I'd love to have a call with you and, and go through that. So we face many challenges with our thinking. I'm sure you'll agree. Not often. Often, as I say earlier, we, we're, we're thinking and talking to ourselves all the time, not necessarily uh, particularly productive. But let's go into the first area of survival psychology from from my philosophy on this anyway. And that is. The term that's now used very often, imposter syndrome. Now, you may think that you have imposter syndrome, some of you listening to this episode, but I genuinely believe you don't have a syndrome. OK, so that's that's possibly a reassuring thing to start you off, that actually you may believe you have a syndrome, but you don't. Now, the term first came about in 1978, and psychologists Pauline Rose Clance and Susan Nimis they actually came out with a term that it was the idea that you've only succeeded due to luck and not because of your talent or qualifications. As I touched on earlier, I think it's more about being found out um, as being a fraud, as being not capable 
of the position that you're in and not having the right skills. It can particularly show up, I believe, and I've seen this as well, where people step up into new senior leadership roles. And here's the thing. When you're being promoted or you you move into a new position, I don't think anyone around you is expecting you to be the finished article. They're often either recruiting you or promoting you because of your potential. But within you, you'll be examining the ways in which you don't quite match up to uh, the job spec or, or that particular role. And when I've been having calls with people, this concept of being found out has, has come up a lot. And I've also spoke to people who are either new to senior leadership roles, but sometimes as well, people who have started their own business, not had any leadership development or training or coaching and have moved up to um, head up a company with more people and done it more based on intuition and instinct and just practical experience. And all of that is great, but that can lead to business owners. I find through their, my conversations with them, where they feel that they've arrived at that place where they're now the owner of a larger business, but they're concerned that they're not really a proper business owner. That's a term I've heard a lot on calls. And, but they're, again, they'll be, they'll be found out, not necessarily found out by their people, but found out in a way that their business won't succeed because they're not really worthy or they haven't really got the skills that they need to continue to grow the business. Now, what I really believe is happening here is that it does come back to this survival thinking, because, again, if we are continually monitoring, particularly our environment or ourselves for potential danger and vulnerability, and if we turn that inwards, that is, I say that is part of the human condition that we will all potentially do that at times where we start to look inwards and think, am I a good enough a business owner? Am I, I'm the right person to step into this senior leadership role? Do I have the skills and experience? And this can actually go into other forms of life. It, it can be, do I feel I'm worthy as a parent? Am I good enough as a husband or a wife? And again, that phrase, good enough. So what really is happening is that we're not, uh, we haven't got a syndrome that we don't need diagnosing with a syndrome in my, my view anyway. It is the fact that it is part of the normal human condition. It's part of our thinking that we will be looking for potential threats and we turn some of that inwards and we start to look at where we're not good enough. And fundamentally for me, imposter moments or moments where we feel not good enough are really what it's all about because we will all have those potentially at some time or another so you haven't got a syndrome it really is about looking at that and i wanted to give you as well as talking out through that i wanted to give you one takeaway in terms of uh, imposter syndrome that can help you with that a feeling or belief that you may have that and i think it's really important that we Keep a continual log of our achievements over time. So if you haven't done it already, I've done this with a number of leaders and it can be a really great exercise. Build a log of your achievements. It can be throughout your career, even before that can be things that you've done outside of work as well. And keep adding to it because it will reinforce a much more positive view of yourself. Then you can use this. Uh, for key events. Um, so if, for example, you're going to be speaking at an event or you've got to go to a really important sales meeting, 
part of what you could be doing in preparation is going through some of your really your biggest achievements because and if you can connect back with those how you felt at the time it can put you in a really great state when you're going into a new situation so whenever you're starting to feel exposed or not good enough in particular situations one of the things you can do is take stock of your achievements and utilize those to put yourself in a better state as you move forward so we could talk the whole podcast episode about imposter syndrome, but I just wanted to give you a flavour of the fact that I actually don't think you've got a syndrome. I think it's part of your normal human condition, a part, part of your thinking. Let's go into the second area. So this is about defensive mindset. And this in a way relates to the work by psychologist Carol Dweck, which you may have heard of. She talked a lot about fixed mindset and growth mindset. I'm a big fan of this concept of adopting a growth mindset. Now, none of us will ever be perfect. So we're never going to be 100% into a growth mindset in all situations. Sometimes we may get uh, a fixed mindset triggered in cover direct terminology, or in, as I'm saying here, you may have your defensive mindset um, triggered. The thing is to get yourself out, be aware of that and get yourself out of it as quickly as possible. And three of the way areas in particular that can trigger a defensive mindset is, first of all, if you start to hear hit blocks or challenges, which may lead you to want to give up, or it might be a new challenge where it's going to take you out of your comfort zone and you feel a little threatened by that. So you start to go back in on yourself and become defensive. It could be when you get some feedback. And I think for a lot of us, when we get feedback that's more critical in nature, we can too quickly take that in personally. And again, starts to bring out that feeling of not being good enough as a person, as a leader in our role. And it is about uh, becoming much stronger in terms of seeing feedback as really valuable. That's something that you can grow and build from. And also we can find that setbacks or particularly mistakes uh, can bring out a defensive mindset as well. Particularly, we can go on the back foot quite quickly. And if somebody starts to talk to us about a mistake that's been made, we might be trying to find every other reason rather than accept responsibility ourselves for a mistake. Hey, and we all make mistakes. We're all human. And it's a much better place. And I've worked on this myself over the years to get myself in a place where I can actually accept the fact I've made a mistake and learn and grow from it. And some of the examples I've seen when I've been uh, having conversations with business leaders over the past few months is that thing about uh, giving up rather than go outside of your comfort zone into a place where you will feel more threatened and risk uh, making mistakes or things going wrong. It can definitely lead to procrastination as well because you just won't want to move forward. Again, just that keeping ourselves secure um, and procrastination really is an example of that. It's about keeping ourselves secure because if we don't make a decision, if we don't go forward, we think that we're not going to put ourselves in a difficult situation. But here's the thing as well. Making no decision is actually a risk as well. So by making no decisions, by procrastinating, there's an element of risk there as there would be in making the decisions. People have also spoke to me about being put on the back foot far too quickly when they've made a mistake or they've got feedback. And obviously, as I said before, um, many leaders speak to me about the fact that they find feedback uh, difficult to take, negative feedback in particular, and they take that personally. So we need to uh, 
again, become much more aware of when this is going on and said, realize that a lot of uh, security uh, thinking is coming in here. It's about our surviving instinct at play. I would say in particular that it would be good to focus on um, actually looking at mistakes in particular. And for each mistake or failure that comes along, use it as an opportunity to reflect to revisit what went on and to learn and think about how you would do things differently in the future and definitely help people, people in your teams do this as well when mistakes have been made. So acknowledge quickly that you're human and actually start to reflect and look at that mistake, take the learnings, move on and grow and make that a regular part a habitual part of the way that you function as a leader, not to go into that defensive mindset, but to actually reflect, learn and grow from all of those experiences. So we've just covered defensive mindset. And prior to that, we looked at imposter syndrome. I'm going to move on to a third area now, which is about destructive self-talk and negative self-talk and how that can play out for us. And here's the thing. We are all dealing with ants on a regular basis. Now, what are ants, you might say, not the little creatures that we get infested with more in the summer, but ants are automatic negative thoughts. Now, it's said, and I still find this pretty incredible, that we have about forty to 50,000 thoughts a day. If you think about it, we're all we're thinking all the time, even unconsciously when we sleep. There is thought going on and we are having dialogues with ourselves. The problem is. A lot of this, these conversations, this stealth talk, the majority of it can either be doubtful in nature, repetitive or negative. And again, I go back to the fact that I think there's there's reasons for this. Um, I believe that we are um, too driven to look at things pessimistically. And Martin Seligman, who is the, the sort of father of the positive psychology movement, which I'm very proud to be a part of, he looked at explanatory styles for the way that we explain things when they go wrong. And I think this is interesting because if you drop into a more pessimistic way of looking at things, if things go wrong, you'll think that they'll be permanent and they'll last forever. You think that they're not just localized to the particular problem, but they'll be they'll undermine everything. They start to affect on everything and you'll feel that you can't do anything about it. And it's they're basically uncontrollable. And so you you lose your power there. And also you blame yourself too much rather than look at some of the exter- external factors that might have played a part. So, again, noticing when you've dropped into more pessimistic ways of thinking and shifting yourself to more optimistic views. So the fact that a problem may well and probably will be temporary, that it's just localized to a particular situation, not infecting everything but it's not entirely your fault there's probably other reasons and there is something you can do about it so that's that's one area in particular you can make some shifts on straight away but it's also about um, again recognizing when you've gone into this negative self-talk i found over the years uh, and i read a book by Eckhart Tolle about nine years ago called New Earth, which was genuinely people would have heard me say this if you know me, that it was it was life changing. And one of the big things I took from that is as a species, we are allegedly still at the moment, still not, you know, not, not proven otherwise, that we are 
the only species that is able to be more conscious and observe our own thinking. So we get great power when we started to notice ourselves going into a negative spiral of thinking, which might be an element of pessimism I was talking about before, or it might be that you start to recognize that you've gone into a survival spiral and your thinking is all about the fact that you feel incredibly threatened, either your ego threatened or physically threatened. Then actually being able to rise above your own thinking and start to almost have a conversation with yourself. I, I often use the phrase, be your own best coach. Then that is the way that you will start to get greater power over that thinking. And from that, pers- and from that angle, you can then look to shift your perspective, how you are seeing things, which is fundamentally what will be driving the self-talk that you're going on, uh, that is going on within you. So the takeaway from this is that it's important when you notice you're going into uh, a pattern of negative thinking or pessimistic thinking, hit the pause button, observe your own thinking and your emotions and identify why you may have dropped into this pessimistic or survival based thinking. So just start to rationalize it with yourself and then calm it. Have a really have a much better. Com- I say have much better conversations with yourself. Uh, about really being kinder to yourself talk to yourself like you would a best friend if they were having difficulty you have a conversation with them but if you don't do this i mean again examples that have come up in conversation with business people is that it it really or could potentially cause you mental health issues Uh, again i believe that we have a a battle going on within us which is between our destructive self and our potential self and i'm sure you've experienced this you can wake up on a day and feel sort of full of the joys of spring really positive about the day but a few things happen and you quite quickly move across to the other side the more destructive side of your thinking and i think there's danger in that because i think the 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 less we do to address that and handle that, the more chance we've got of going into more serious mental health issues. Now, I believe that we all have mind health and brain health as well. It's about looking about after our brain, but we have mind health. And it is about recognising when we go into more destructive patterns of thinking and actually bringing ourselves more over to uh, actually use the power of our potential self. You'll see it also. And again, I've, I've had experiences where people talk about perfectionism. And I believe perfectionism comes from this kind of thinking as well, uh, because we are looking at for ourselves to be perfect because we are challenged by not feeling good enough. So we will feel threatened by the fact that we don't feel good enough in situations. And perfectionism is seen as a strategy to come out of that. Now, perfectionism is important in certain professions, certainly if you're a hospital surgeon or a fireman. But for a lot of us, if you just put in a website live or you put in a new product brochure out or something like that, then often it's about getting things out and testing the market. It could be a new product or service. It's better not to spend way too much time perfecting it, but get it out in the market. And so notice this as i say I, I i've seen through my conversations people talking with me openly about mental health issues about problems with perfectionism about not feeling good enough about low self-esteem that is built on more and more by this spiral of negative self-talk that we can keep uh keep going if we're not much more mindful of it and much more aware of it so let's turn to the fourth area now um, which is the potential damage that can be done by ego. 
And first off, I'm going to return back to Eckhart Tolle again, because I really like this quote. Uh, he used a quote, and he he speaks a lot about ego, and I think he he's really fascinating um, person or expert on the topic of ego. He says, every ego wants to be special. If it can't be special by being superior to others, it's also quite happy with being especially miserable. And I think there is a lot of validity in that because ego really is uh, a threat-based uh, mechanism within us because often uh, ego will drive us to shift the way that we look at other people all the time. Continual comparison, so we competing with people can create conflict. And I believe part of that is that we uh, can either come at life from more of an abundance mentality, which is that there are opportunities out there for us all. There are resources out there for us all, for, for the majority of us anyway, certainly in the in the developed world. Whereas we can quite quickly get into scarcity mentality and that is fear based mentality. So, again, when I've been having conversations with people, it might be a person who's um, got a HR business, a HR, HR expert, but continually looking over the shoulder at all the other HR people in the network and feeling threatened by that because they're concerned about whether they are good enough or not um, in comparison with with others. And I think also it can lead to people, and again, in conversations around with people, not getting the help that they need because it's admitting that you are vulnerable. It's admitting that you need help. And often leaders aren't good at doing this. So they'll, they'd rather comp- carry on plowing their furrow and moving forwards, even though they know that they would benefit from looking to the right people to get them help. And that's that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But that's where the ego can come in because the ego will not want you to admit weakness and vulnerability. And there's a lot said about authentic leadership. And I, I do have some issues with the term, but I think it, there are times when it's good to admit that you actually, you know, you need to put your hand up for help, even if you are a business owner or a senior leader. Um, because often, particularly if you're head of a company, if you're MD or CEO, it could be difficult to turn to anybody else in the organization just for help, but there are definitely other people out there, whether they be coaches or mastermind groups or peers or people in your network who may well be able to help you. And here's the thing as well. People are very receptive to offer help if you reach out for it, for the most part anyway. But it is being very mindful of ego because it can cause difficulties. It can cause difficulties um if if it goes unchecked in people as well i heard another conversation i had with a with somebody in business that said that um leaders at the top can kill growth through their ego so they they're unwilling to involve other people uh, to the point where it actually doesn't enable the business to grow so ego can get in the way in that in that way as well and i think it is about recognizing when it's happening so as a takeaway for you all i think just recognize particularly for yourself when ego has taken hold in a more damaging way you cannot obviously recognize it in others but how receptive they'll be to listen to you if you were to point that out is debatable but notice when you've moved into a scarcity mindset and challenge that within yourself i i've found over the years 
And I was referring back to that example with a HR person who was uh, continually looking over their shoulders at other HR people and, and you know, the, looking at them as competition. I set out, when I, when I started my business 15 years ago, I have met a lot of coaches over the years and now meeting a number of leadership psychologists. In fact, I'm going to be inviting one on to the podcast series next month. But what I've attempted to do is when I meet other coaches is engage with them, actually see that we can learn from each other. We can support each other. We may be even to be able to uh, work on a piece of work together, co- cooperate. And I, that I've ended up through that journey of going into partnership with coaches, uh, working with coaches on joint projects. And I've got a lot of friendships and, and good relationships with coaches out there and whenever i meet a new coach always receptive to seeing what we do because uh, often there's slight differences and we can complement each other so be mindful of that ego identify when your ego feels threatened and question why it's happening look at that scarcity m- mindset pick yourself up when you're comparing and competing with others unnecessarily and get yourself into a much better headspace start to engage with people rather than feel necessarily feel the need to compete and i don't know where you are on the journey with ego i i just find that um for the most part i think it can be really damaging i know a lot of people believe that ego is good because it can spur you on and it can push you to greater heights and you know all that competition can actually bring you to improve yourself but I often find with people who are um, quite ego fueled, that they are continually driven in life from a place of lack. And again, going back to that phrase, not good enough. So do you really want that for yourself throughout your life to continue to come at life from a place of lack? Or do you want to come at life from a place of feeling that you're good enough? but continually growing. Going back to that growth mindset concept, this is somewhere I really feel comfortable with now that I am not the greatest leadership psychologist in the world. I'm not the greatest coach in the world, but I feel I'm a good leadership coach and a good leadership psychologist. Do I want to grow further? Absolutely. And I would say to you in your positions, whether you be a senior leader, a uh, an MD, a CEO, a COO, a CFO, whatever you are, come at, come at it from a place of recognising how well you've done to get to that place and that you are doing a good job. Do you want to get better? Absolutely. And there's so many ways in, in which you can continue to grow. But the irony is that actually getting your ego too much involved will actually stop you from taking some of those paths that can help you grow and improve more anyway. So let's move on to the fifth and final area of ways in which I feel your survival thinking can damage you, hijack you, cause you problems. And that is in relation to tribal uh, behavior. So I believe we're way more tribal than we believe we are still in modern life. I read a great book last year uh, called Selected, recommended by Carolyn Hobsey to me, actually. Thank you, Carolyn, again for that. And it was written by Mark Van Voet. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, um, but it is about the fact that um, we are still very tribal in nature. Again, if we go back to that uh, time when our, the origins of our species were roaming the Sahara Desert, tribal behaviour was really important for security. So we would be want to be part of it. Well, our species would origins of our species would want to be part of a pack 
because it gave an element of safety. And the thing is that even in modern life, even though we're not necessarily threatened by saber-toothed tigers, there is still a very dominant tribal element to our behaviour. And I think a realisation uh, of that is is important. So, again, when I've been talking to people about how this kind of thing can manifest, there are um, leaders who have either feared or been concerned that people are plotting against them. But actually, in certain scenarios, as well, I've talked to certain leaders where they've had individuals plotting against them. And here's the thing as well. You can get individuals who start to create a counter tribe, a breakaway tribe with the because of all of their own uh, hang-ups psychologically, that they want to uh, develop a power base by getting people to break away and undermine you. And that can definitely happen. That that isn't just imagined. I've, I've seen real examples of that. So, yeah, this can definitely be the case that people um, or leaders, as leaders, you need to be mindful of what tribal behaviour is going on with it within your organisation because there could be some damaging tribal behaviour going on and you need to be mindful of that and actually look to do something about it. Another strange example uh, in terms of tribal behaviour is in public speaking. I've talked to a lot of people who've got a fear of presenting or public speaking. And what can be going on there is... And often this will come up. I've had this said to me on a number of calls and, and com- in conversations. It feels particularly threatening when you are speaking in front of a group of people who are in your profession. And as I'm probably saying that, that's probably making a few of you feel nervous or edgy. Because the thing is that you are then going to be worried that they know more than you and that you'll be found out and all those kind of things. But there is something very tribal going on with it, within us when we stand in front of an audience to speak because... Our need to belong to the tribe starts to come out. And if we feel like there's an element of disconnection with the people that are in front of us, or we feel like they're going to be rejecting us in some way or not, not, I guess, not connecting to us or relating to us in the way that we want, we start to feel that on that particular occasion that, that there is a, a tribe that we are going to be an outcast from. And as I say, we're a fascinating species because our thinking can be highly complex, but it can also be very basic as well. And this is a a really good example of it. So just some examples from conversations that I've had with people. And I think that what's important to take away from this tribal piece is there is a number of things to be mindful of. I think the first is that we can start to feel isolated. And I'm seeing this a lot at the moment with people, even if they are introverted in nature, that we've gone through a really difficult two and a half years where people have been working remotely and still are working remotely in many cases. So there isn't that social side, that social connection, which is very part of what we need. I said, even if you're introverted in nature, then we still have an ingrained need to connect with other people. So if you are finding that you're feeling more isolated, and again, this can come up with people as they move into more senior leadership positions and certainly heading up organisations, because it can be difficult to know who to go to and who to speak to. So be mindful of use at utilising your network, and that can be your network of colleagues at work. And so, Put yourself out there and actually have a bit of time to connect with people. 
if you're if you are the head of an organization it is i think i mentioned this earlier about networking with people at the same level of you looking for mastermind groups to be part of start to build relationships with other leaders maybe it's the fact that you need a coach and somebody to help you with that isolation but i've often heard people that i coach talk about that feeling of isolation and it's important to do something about that as i said look where it may be playing out in a more detrimental way within your organization are there some people who have become toxic and are looking to influence others and it may well be you need to take that in hand and do something about that and also for me one of the ways you can do something about that is put more positive energy into building your tribe and that can be a company-wide tribe or it can be if you've got a team about actually building relationships with your team that can actually isolate people who are hijacking attempting to hijack situations and actually cause breakaway tribes and i've seen actually examples of this in practice over the last 12 months where i've talked to leaders about making sure they're putting the energy into building the positive aspect of their tribe with the people that want to belong and be part of that because that can isolate people who are attempting to cause problems but build your own tribe and part of building your own t- tribe is about looking at the culture of your organization. Yes, it can be company values, but also looking at behavior. And also I've seen examples, which I think are interesting of where you start to get common language or phrases in organizations. And it can build that tribal feeling, that sense of belonging to your advantage. And also you can extend that tribe out and start to make your customers feel like that i think apple are a great example of that really in the way that when they launch products and there's that sense of belonging if i'm, I'm not an apple person actually but i people like my daughter and i know many people who've got apple products and i think there's almost that tribal sense of belonging so you can foster that to your own advantage as well so we've been we've been looking at this concept of survival psychology and i say i'm very much on a journey with this and i'd I'd be fascinated to hear your thoughts on this podcast episode uh, and and any of the other material that you you see i've actually been doing during august 2022 i've been doing a month of posts on linkedin about different aspects of survival psychology and how it plays out that feeling of not being good enough perfectionism imposter syndrome defensive mindset negative self-talk ego tribes all the things we've been talking about today so by all means uh, check out my linkedin profile and you can have a scan through those posts and and look for what's interesting but yeah i'm really interested to get your feedback and your thoughts on how you relate to that that concept of survival psychology which might be a new term for you but also how you see you you're starting to see that playing out more in yourself and now that you we talked about it on this podcast episode how you see that impacting you how you see it impact other people as well a lot of my conversations have been about observations of how these kind of things can impact other people as well and as i said i'm uh, really interested if you'd like to have a bit of time with me just to talk it through uh, both get to understand the concept a little bit more get a little bit more help maybe with some of the challenges that you are recognizing you're facing either from the concepts we talked about today or from the some of the examples i spoke about where you might think yeah me too i i've been hit by those and i know i've given you some ideas today on ways that you can move forwards with this uh, but obviously we've only got so much time today there is an enormous amount that you can do uh, around that 
I'm going to leave you with one final thought, though. I think that, as I've said earlier, I think the the human species, uh, the human brain, it, it can be an incredibly, it is an incredibly com- complex organ, and our the human psychology can be incredibly complex. However, it can also be incredibly basic, and we still have that survival instinct, that survival drive that will play out in a number of scenarios. We are still very much based on fear, anxiety, looking for threats. And the danger is that can often turn inwards. It can be starting to look at where we're not good enough. As I've said many times, that phrase, where there are gaps and lacking us, where there are weakness, where we're fallible. And, you know, it's, to a degree, it's, it's important to do that. It's, it's, it's important, isn't it? So I'm not saying for one moment that an element of our survival thinking isn't important. It is. The trouble is we do it too much. We overcook situations. We imagine threats that aren't there. We do all of those kind of things. We distort things and we allow our unconscious thinking uh, to take over in situations rather than allowing our more cognitive part of our brain to actually stand back for a moment and get a better perspective on things. So remember that actually becoming more conscious of what, about what is going on, observing your thinking, becoming much more aware of what's going on gives you greater power. It lessens the grip of some of this more destructive thinking and it gives you greater power to shift your perspective, to see a situation differently, to think in different ways. And then the most important thing is that you can act in different ways and get better results as well. I trust you find this found this a, a fascinating topic to uh, explore. It may well be that you have, have come across this this area before, and obviously we're all we're all familiar with survival instinct. But maybe you've not realised quite how much it's playing out in your modern life, and being more aware of it, managing it, and not letting it hijack you is going to be fundamental to your growth as a business leader, as a business person, as a person in general. I'm going to thank you there and say please connect if you'd like to discuss further and I will see you next month for another episode. If you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail, why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.